and I believe more than likely you can too. But I, I do want to say happy Father's Day to all of her dads out there. And uh, my, my father has been uh, gone now uh, longer than I had my father. My father died when I was 19 years old. So, uh, And as I've gotten older, uh, and my dad wasn't, you know, you know, a five-star dad, but as I've gotten older, there's still a part of me that misses my dad, you know, because my dad had his good, good points too. And uh, uh, I think at the core of us, Reuben, as young men, I think there's something, whether we ever want to acknowledge it or not, there's something in us that wants the affirmation of our dad, you know. We want to know to some degree, that we have become good men, right? As men, I mean, we, we, we need that. We feel that, right? And um, I just want to say, even before we get into the scripture, I know some of you guys. I know your life. I know the relationships. I know what you've come out of, I know what you experienced, and I know what you are short of regarding that relationship, and I'm speaking to you dads. And I want to say to you today, Drew, you're a good man. I'd be proud to be your dad. I want you to know that. This may sound weird to you guys, but Jaylen, I want you to know that you're a good man. Not only would I be proud to be your dad, I'd be proud to have you as my dad. Ricky Lowell, you're a good man, and you're a good dad. I could go on and on. I see you, dads. And if you're here this morning and your desire is to bring your family closer to Jesus, Ronnie, then I say to you this morning, well done, dad. The father is proud of you. Amen? Amen. And bless the Lord. Amen. You say, Trent, what does that have to do with the message today, the, the theme? No. Are we, do we have a Father's Day message? No. We don't have a Father's Day message. But we do have a message from the Scripture that we're going to look at in Exodus chapter 36 that is applicable to dads, it's applicable to everyone in here. As a matter of fact, I would say to you this morning, as I read through chapter 36 that I saw so many things in chapter 36 that I said, Kathy, as I was reading it, I hope that's true of me. Brooke, I hope it's true of me. I don't know that it is. I hope it is. I try to live this out. I try to ex God, express this in my life. I want it to flesh out, Kevin. It doesn't mean I perfected all of these, Sarah. I, I haven't. But I want to. I want to do good. 
I want to honor him. And I believe this morning as we read through chapter 36, man, woman, or child this morning, if you're a kingdom builder, if your passion and your affections of your heart are turned towards Jesus, I think these are attributes that you would want to possess too as we navigate through this scripture in Exodus chapter 36. So we're going to look at it. We're actually going to make it through chapter 36, but we're going to focus on the first seven verses. I know a lot of you think, that's a lot, Trent. Kind of like I said uh, the previous weeks, that's a whole lot to cover at your turtle rate, tortoise speed. Because today is our, what, our 61st message, and we're only through 35 chapters. Not, not necessarily the fastest preacher. But I want to share with you something out of this that you can challenge yourself with, that you can leave here saying, is this me? Am I that kind of kingdom builder, follower of Jesus? Is that how my affections are turned? All right? That's what I want to do as a, as a brother because I'm not just challenging Chase or I'm not just challenging uh, uh, Jeremiah or, or Greg or, or, or Gabe or Kevin. I'm challenging Trent, Reuben. This is for me. We're all in the same space being challenged by God's word. And you, my sisters, are as well. Amen. So let's pray. Probably should have prayed before we even got stuck, before I started speaking. But let's pray right now that everything else said and every word read is guarded and shielded by God's presence. Thy not tarnish his word, distort it. And abuse it. I, I want it clean and clear, concise, Ricky. You know what I mean? I, I want to give it to you well cooked and prepared so it's digestible, consumable for your spirit. Right? So let, let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Father, this morning as we navigate through it that we can be challenged by it, changed by it, moved by it. Our vision, our sight can be altered. And we start to see people the way you see people, understanding the value of what it is that you're doing in our lives and that we too can become those types of people that we see in chapter 36, that we might possess some of these same attributes. When we set our hands and our feet to the building of the kingdom, because these things are essential, kingdom builders must possess this. If we don't possess it, may we come to possess it today. So guard your word this morning to the benefit of the hearer and it's in Jesus name we pray and ask these things and your sons and your daughters said amen amen okay Exodus chapter 35 we're not going to read this can you pull that up Clark 35 30 through 35 
Okay, we're not going to read this because we covered this last week. But to get us on track where we're going, we have to do a quick reflection, right, upon last week. We remember we we got off at the very beginning of chapter 35. We got off where where God was saying to his children. Remember, he he brought them back into this idea of honoring the Sabbath. You remember that? We talked about that last week. And, and, And the correlation was because, or the emphasis on the Sabbath was because he was about to require them uh, to undertake this great assignment of building the temple or the tabernacle and the furnishings were therein, right? But what he established in reiterating the Sabbath was that the relationship with God could not be forsaken to accomplish the task of God. You with me on that? Meaning we can't allow the job that God's called us to to move us away from our relationship with God. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's ridiculous, Trent. How can we be doing God's work and find ourselves drifting away from God? Are you serious? Come on, man. Are you serious? If any of you have ever served in the kingdom, you easily understand how that can happen, right? Easily understand how that could happen. And then what God does after reestablishing that, because Reuben, you know what I'm talking about, don't you, brother? When you get busy in kingdom work, sometimes you can kind of get uh, a disjointed, a little discombobulated from the relationship, right? We, we're, we're all tracking. We know that. Okay, it's a given. We've experienced this. And so then he, he gives the command. He, he calls out, he identifies, and, and, and he requires of some who are willing to come uh, into the service of the kingdom expansion, the erection of the tabernacle, right? And then we get down into these chapters right here, right here, uh, or chapter 35, these verses right here, and we see this cat named Bezalel, right? Now what we understand about this Bezalel is that he was what? The grandson of Hur, the son of Uri, Right? And not only was he uh, the grandson and the son of these individuals, but Bezalel was uh, actually from the tribe of Judah, right? Remember, we touched on that. Got it? And he's a carpenter, a master craftsman. And we identified the fact that Bezalel in chapter 37 is actually the constructor, the builder of the ark of the covenant, And there's a beautiful image of Jesus, of this carpenter from the tribe of Judah laying his hands on the ark, the acacia wood that the ark was built out of, to do what? To house the presence of God that would draw men back into a relationship with the Father. And that too is the task of the great snake crusher that we find in the New Testament, he too being a carpenter from the tribe of Judah, laying his hands on the, on the wood of the, of, of the purpose of God to do what? To build the same type bridge to bring people separated from God back into relationship with Jesus. Now listen, if you read those last few verses, man, and it doesn't spark something in your spirit, I don't know. I don't know. That's a powerful, powerful thought, right? Powerful. And so that's where we find ourselves at that point. And so we're transitioning now into chapter 36. And what we're going to see in these verses, as we read these verses, we're going to read 1 through 7, we're going to see something incredible take place. And and we're we're going to have to ask ourselves... And allow the word to challenge us, right? 
So let's do that. Let's look at verse 1 through 7. So Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of the constructing the sanctuary or to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. This is a statement made by Moses. Hence it's what? Quoted. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Holiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for, the do, for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman, and what does that say to us? Men and women both were contributing. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. Now listen, that's not a message, man. You're going to hear in the modern church. Right? Restrain your generosity. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work. Okay, now let's start looking at this scripture because I'm telling you, man, there's all kinds of things in here that Trent needs to be, that Trent needs to have. And if you want to accompany me on that journey, there's plenty of room for you too. Because I don't think, Jay, I'm the only one. But I know I'm one. That's probably a good place to start, right? To know you're one, right? Exodus, listen, I want to read this verse to you because this is going to establish something here. Because what I want to talk about is these kingdom builders are doing things, kingdom building God's way. Right? That's the very first thing. I've got to concede and I've got to surrender, Greg, to doing things God's way. That's one of the very first things, right? I've got to do it God's way. I can't, I can't be the one to determine all these things. I can't be the one to decide right and wrong. I can't be the one to measure all this stuff. It's got to be God's way if I want to build his kingdom, right? So let's look at this verse. Clark will post it, if you will, in Chapter 25, this is what he says. This is the very first time that Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai to meet with God. And this is what God says to him. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Right? Right? So here's the whole plan. Man, you go all the way back to the beginning of Exodus. You see it. And, and I'll quote Matt Chandler when he says that God was drawing them out to draw them in. Right? Delivering them to deliver them. Delivering them from Egypt to deliver them to himself. That was the intention of God. But God says right there at the very beginning of this, when he's about to give directions and instructions regarding the temple, he says this very thing. Make this tabernacle and all, all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Now listen, listen to me, get this. The importance 
of doing thing, things God's way, kingdom building God's way. The importance is the fact that it brings into play the resources and the power and the persuasion of God in enabling these things to be done. If we're building God's kingdom our way, who's to say then that God's aid, provision, power is available to us? As a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say it will be withdrawn from you. God's not contributing to another person's kingdom's objectives. You, you track it with me? Listen to this. I believe God's way provides three things for you and for me. It provides a pattern, right? That's what he says right there. It establishes the goal or the vision. Your vision or your goal, if it's different than God's, isn't worth much. Right? And it can be distorted, and it can be altered, and it can be changed by circumstances and situations. How many of you have embarked on doing something that you perceive to be the kingdom of God, and all of a sudden, because circumstances change, the objective and the vision and the pattern changes? You know what I'm talking about? But if it's God's design, God's pattern, all of those factors do not change that. It is still in play, Right? God's provision, right? When it's his pattern, his provision. And then God's power, right? God's strength, right? And, and God's energy to perform the task to accomplish this kingdom building in the pattern of God is established. We read that last week in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, right? We read that. Now to him who can do immeasurably more than anything what? We could ask or think or imagine according to the power, the dunamis, remember the explosiveness, the power that is at work, the energo, the energy in us. Do you see what I'm talking about? So if the pattern, if our pattern is God's pattern, then his power and his, the dunamis and the energo, the energy of God is available to you and me, right? Right? Hence, when we get outside the pattern that God has established, fatigue sets up. Power is diminished. And all of a sudden, the task that we had embarked on is short-lived. It expires. Because it's not God's pattern. So you and I as kingdom builders, Trent, as one who desires to be a kingdom builder, Ricky, has got to stay in the pattern of God, Right? Dad, you want to be a kingdom builder? It starts in the home. That's where kingdom building starts in the hearts of every father. It starts first in the home. God's pattern must be established in the home. Because it isn't, if it isn't, you tell me how your pattern's working. When your home is broken and dysfunctional and you've pursued a pattern born out of your own intellect and out of your own desires and it's established nothing but wasteland, man, scorched earth behind your children, behind your marriage, shambles. And you're like, but I tried so hard to do it this way or that way. It was your pattern. It was your strength. It was your energy. And all was found lacking. 
Kingdom building isn't so far away from family building. Reuben, you know, you show me a man who's effective in kingdom building, and I'll show you a man who's effective in family building. But if you show me a man who's dysfunctional in building his family, I'll show you a man who is incompetent in kingdom building. All right, let me read this to you because I need you to understand this. When we're doing kingdom building stuff, and I ain't talking about, I'm talking about Trent. I'm talking about me. I'm talking, what I'm doing, I've got to be able to concede that God is making the choices, assigning the task, maybe to people I wouldn't choose. You ever see that happen? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Man, people you would never expect to be kingdom building are kingdom building. If you think I'm kidding about this, go to anybody that I went to high school with and tell them that I'm helping lead a church. Man, they'll tell you, you're insane. You're insane. Had you told me then what I know to be now, I would have echoed those same sentiments. Ricky, why are you shaking your head with such affirmation? I would have echoed those same sentiments and said, it's impossible. That heathen? Listen to what the scripture says. Then Moses said to the Israelites, see the Lord, this is in 35, verse 30 and 31, see the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uriah, the son of her, of the tribe of Judah. No one else chose him. Now he was skilled. He had all these abilities that had been imparted to God uh, by God. But the scripture doesn't say Moses chose him or Aaron chose him, but the Lord chose him. And the Lord sees things in us that no one else sees. Why is that? Because God's put things in us that no one has dug deep enough to discover that those deposits have been made. Are you with me? I'm telling you right now, there's people in this sanctuary right now that God has put deposits in that have never been dug up, that have never been uh, connected, that have never been uh, 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 utilized. And yet God's put a call on your life and has chosen you for a given task or assignment that you can't even recognize the why because you've not done enough spiritual excavating to discover the deposit. You've let thing after thing after issue, turmoil, trauma, bury, bury, layer after layer this deposit of God and you're still digging through the trauma, the issues, the barriers, the distractions to get deep enough to discover it. And then people who identify it in you say to you, man, God's done something. He's got something in you. You're like, no, 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 I've never seen that. Do we have any barriers this morning? We have anybody here that has layered over things, some trauma in your life, some rejection in your life, and then all of a sudden, some bad mistakes in your life, some sin in your life, and all of a sudden, man, 
The, I, the thought of digging through that to get to that prize is exhausting, debilitating. Hence, we need his dunamis and his energio, right? Because he may be requiring you to dig deep to discover the deposit. We have teachers in here who have never taught. We have preachers in here who have never preached. We have servants in here who have never served because they see themselves lacking because of all the distractions. There's a beautiful story. There's a beautiful story in 1 Samuel where God recognizes this, this young man, right? And so the prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse and they're looking for a new king in Israel because we're about to replace this cat named Saul. You know what? Because he's a little shabby and that's to say it lightly. And so the prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. I'm going to read this to you. It's important. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Now Samuel's the prophet of God. And what does the prophet of God say? Well, surely it's him. Well, surely the prophet's always right. The prophet always sees the way God sees, doesn't he? Identifies things that God would identify, I think not. You know why? He's a man. Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, and this is the difference in being a prophet who is humble. You still hear from God when you're wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Rose? Sometimes you need God to speak to you when you're wrong. And correct you. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Every man who is vertically challenged this morning, understand God doesn't hold that against you. Right? Right? And every short man in the church says hallelujah. Right? Right? It says... For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, right? Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this cat either. This one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all your sons? Jesse, look around. They're still the youngest. Jesse answered, and he's tending sheep. <laughs> now, all you Bible scholars know, right? He's talking about David, the shepherd, right? Jesse said, oh, no, said, the youngest is still out there. And he's handling sheep dung, tending sheep. You know what Samuel says? I'm going to paraphrase this. I'm going to paraphrase it. This is Trent Evans translated. Go retrieve the king. 
that's what, when Samuel says, go get the shepherd, what he was really saying was, go get the king. His own dad didn't see it. I mean, Father's Day, Jesse. Right? This king was plucked out of a shepherd's field. The beautiful thing about it in kingdom building, the thing that I've got to understand that, that God has chosen me, he's chosen you, each and every one of us are playing an essential part or role in kingdom building. None of us are throwaways. Every one of us, God has deposited something to contribute to the building and the expanding of his kingdom. We've got to find it. We've got to trust it, even when it doesn't necessarily match all of our strengths because some of our strengths have not yet been tapped into. Not that they're not there, they haven't been tapped into. Then the scripture says this in Exodus chapter 35, verse 2. Now we're going to jump in, or uh, 36, we're going to jump into 36. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Holiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do work. Now listen, listen, these are, these are essential things. There's two components involved in kingdom building. Oh God, let me recognize this in myself. To whom the Lord had given ability, Right? If there's a call on your life, it's because God has given you the ability to see the call through. If the call comes, you don't recognize the ability, it's on you. You've not dug deep enough. The call validates the ability. God doesn't call someone that he hasn't equipped. It may not be discovered yet. So the digging is necessary, right? But he says something not just the ability, but who was willing. I love it. I tell Clark all the time, Clark and I both are sports enthusiasts, and I say to Clark all the time, when his favorite player is always hurt, I say to Clark, hey, availability is the greatest ability. Right? You've heard that saying? Abil availability is the greatest ability. So there has to be a willingness, right? But the willingness, there must be a marriage of willingness and ability. So we have to, it, it reasserts the notion that we have to dig to discover the abilities, the deposits God has given with us. This journey with God in kingdom building isn't a lazy man's endeavor. You're going to sweat, man. Spiritual sweat. There has to be a marriage of willingness and ability. Now, don't fool yourself in claiming an ability that you don't possess, though you're willing to carry it out, the task. I can fool myself and say, I've been called to be a worship pastor. And someone may say, well, Trent, you don't have the ability, though you're willing. And I can fool myself and say, no, I just haven't dug deep enough. Believe me, I've dug deep enough. The ability isn't there. And the last thing you want at TDC is Trent, who's willing, 
lacking the ability to be up here playing any of these instruments. But there must be a willingness to utilize the ability that God's given you. Are you willing? Come on, be honest, rhetorical in nature. Answer it within your own heart. Are you really willing? Come on. You think I don't ask myself this? You think I haven't been challenged on this? When I had to leave a job of 25 years, the comfort of that, the retirement of that, the pay of that, whatever it was, the consistency of all that, you think my willingness wasn't being challenged? My willingness is challenged, and your willingness must be challenged. And you must answer it, right? Then he says this in verse 3. First of all, in verse 2, Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and to do the work. And then the scripture says this, and They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Now this is a big thing for me. This is a big thing for me. The scripture says right here that they were bringing free will offerings. You know what kingdom builders do? They support kingdom builders. Do you understand what I'm saying? I ain't talking about your money. I'm talking about your prayers. I'm talking about your encouragement. What does it take to encourage someone? You know how many times, how many times I've left this place on a Sunday having shared God's word and felt the hostile response uh, from the enemy. And on my way out those doors, a text would come or a hand would reach out and grab me. Kevin Cable would say to me, I'm praying for you. You know what he's doing? He's a kingdom builder supporting kingdom builders. Right? Right? And we've got to be those people. I've got to be those people. When Reuben and Frankie are separated from us by distances and, and there's some way that we can assist and aid and love and encourage them, we got to do it. Reuben will tell you that out of the blue I've sent him text to encourage him and he's done the same for me. That's what kingdom builders do. They reciprocate the encouragement. They look to encourage other builders. You know why? Because they know the way to building. You want someone to have compassion for someone who's lost a father? Find the individual who's lost a father. You want someone to have compassion for a marriage that has been broken asunder? Find someone who's had a marriage broken asunder. So you and I 
you and I must be supporters, right? Contributors in whatever shape or form it takes and supporting other builders. And sometimes it's just a word, man. It's a word. Listen, the women put on these beautiful events. Marissa, you know, the, the event that, that we had uh, just a, a month or so ago, a couple months ago, that, that many of the, the ladies in leadership put on, Miss Terry and many others. I mean, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, man. And look, I'm a guy, right? Well, I hope you know I'm a guy, right? For some reason in my mind, I'm thinking, do I need to clarify that anymore? No, 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 no. No, thank you, Brandon. Brandon's like, no, no. Listen, listen. It's a beautiful event. The women are gathered. The women are praying. And listen, I'm, I'm trying to sneak in. And I'm telling my wife, I say, hey, can I come in and help with this, that, and another? She's like, no. This is the women. But I knew, man, there's something going on here. There's people praying, people encouraging. I said, well, can I come in and talk? Can I come? Let, me, let, me give a, let me give one of the speeches. Let me, I, I've got about three good messages I'd like to drop on our sisters. And she's like, oh, goodness, stay away. She's, a, she's, a, she's like, hey, do you want to help? Do you want to be a kingdom builder that supported kingdom building? Then come about 3 o'clock and help clean up the mess we're going to make. And there was Jeremiah. There were some of us, you know, some, there were other people cleaning up the men's mess and the women. And we were moving tables. We were vacuuming. We were picking up the mess that they had left. Kind of like being home. You just, you just, you just loving. You just picking. You know why? You know why? Because there's no, there's no substantial benefit to you as an individual, personal benefit to you uh, uh, through that ministry. But you're not even worried about that. You're worried about supporting them. You're worried about, then, then moving chairs is what I'll do. If they ain't going to let me talk, Chase, I'll just move a chair. I might move it up front and start talking. Might be my way in. Listen, I'm going to tell you one of the more beautiful things that I witnessed in this church. Which identifies people who have kingdom building attributes and qualities, especially this one. You want me to tell you one of the most beautiful things I witnessed in, in the church? Is this with the youth, with Derek, Taylor, Clark, Grace, and, and, and Drew, and, the, and Jennifer, and others who help? You know what I think is the most beautiful thing? Listen, I expect you parents who have those youngins who are just needful, needy. You know what I'm talking about, Mom and Dad. You know what I'm talking about. Those kids of yours that are a little energetic, that... Uh, you, you, those parents, you know the benefit of having your children under the care of the people who work in the youth ministry, right? And so what ends up happening, or you parents who even have little kids who are downstairs right now, yeah, it's beautiful when I see you go to those who are serving your children to their encouragement and, and, and strengthening. I love it when you go to them and you say to them, thank you for giving to my kids, Right? Right? But that's a given. That's a given. There's a benefit to you. That's understandable. But you know what's really beautiful? Is what I see my brothers and sisters who don't have children at play. Who have no skin in the game in that sense. 
whose children have graduated and moved on, whose children have gone and are now married, who are uh, uh, these individuals who are now grandparents, grandfathers, grandmothers, and they walk into those settings and they see Derek and Taylor, and Drew and Grace and Jennifer and Clark and others with no skin in the game. They look at them and they say, thank you for serving. Listen, our kids. That's kingdom building. Supporting kingdom builders. Because I tell you what it's like, man. When you're one of those leaders, man, the tank runs dry at times. When you come through there and you say, thank you, I'm telling you, man, you're releasing some of that energia, that energy, that work of God. And I'm telling you, man, it just fills you up. And you like, I can handle Kevin's son one more week. <laughs> right? 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 Kevin fueled me up with encouragement because he knew I needed it. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You're right. You with me? So kingdom builders need to be supporting kingdom builders. Okay, let's let's try to move forward. And then in, in verse four and five it says, So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Okay, this is for Trent. You may have zeal and passion, man, and I'm turned on by it because I'm a, kind of a zealot in my own spirit, right? And I have passion, right? But sometimes my own zeal and my own passion needs to be redirected. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? I remember when I, I first got saved, I was one of those converts, man. I, I had to answer. Listen, I've been in the faith for two, three years, whatever it might have been, and I had every answer that Charles Spurgeon couldn't come up with. You know what I'm talking about? John Wesley, I had every answer that John Wesley didn't have. I mean, I was answering questions that Paul struggled with. You know what I'm talking about? I had that type of zeal and that type of compassion, but I was ridiculous. And I remember my mother-in-law. I remember we had some intense discussions. And she still let me marry her daughter. Intense discussions. And I would leave those intense discussions disagreeing agreeably. Having heard what she said, I knew she was wrong. And I was right. And I'd go home with my zeal and my passion, Craig. And the longer I sat on it, the truth of what she said just began to permeate my mind and my spirit. There were times I'd have to go back to her. And I'd say, Kathy, uh, you were right and I wasn't as right. Senior builders have passion, they have zeal. But all of us, no matter where we're at in the process, Tim, has got to be open to having that zeal and that passion redirected and corrected if necessary. Right? That's all right. That's all right. Correction's a beautiful thing. Discipline is a beautiful thing. 
Show me a child who isn't disciplined or corrected, and I'll show you a child who isn't loved. You show me a kid that rebels against their parents or his parents, and the parents do not discipline or correct, I'll show you a parent who doesn't really love their kids. Not the way the Bible talks about loving. With eternal love. Oh, God. I know some of you think, oh, Trent, you better get that next scripture. <laughs> the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Listen to this. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. This is the last verse here. Through the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had, what they already had, was more than enough to do all the work. Now, when we're building in our lives, in the kingdom, whatever it is, we have to understand it is the framework of God that we have to subject ourselves to. Listen, listen, our resources do not dictate the vision. The vision dictates the resources. Because we have more doesn't mean we take it upon ourselves to do more than what God has said. Because the more that we invest in what God has said when he hasn't asked for it, when the need then becomes known to us, the more that should have been left as a resource to take care of that has been squandered in our desire to step outside of the framework and do what we wanted to do by abandoning the pattern that God has established. Do you get that? You with me? We have to stay, kingdom builders, understand the pattern, and we have to stay in the pattern. And understanding if God gives us more, it doesn't mean the pattern is altered. If he gives us more, that means there's going to be greater need at a later date. Be wise, kingdom builder. The scripture says this, so the people were restrained from bringing more. The word for restrained in the Hebrew is kalah. Kalah. Do you know where that word is used in the scripture? One of the first times that word is used? Oh, you'll, you'll recognize this. It's in Genesis chapter 8, verse 2. When the purpose of God was accomplished, there was a restraining. Let me read it to you, the kalal. The kalal, right? Let me read this to you. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heaven had been closed after the 40 days and 40 nights. Kalal. And the rain had stopped falling from the sky. When the purpose of God had been accomplished, the restraint over the conditions were implemented, the kalah. He stopped it. The purpose was accomplished. The giving had been, what was needed had been accomplished. Okay. All right, we're, we're, we're pretty much done. That's the last verse, six, seven, right? That's what I said, we're going to go through seven. But I said we're going to get through chapter 36, right? This is the very last thing. And once again, it speaks to me, Roddy. I'm outing myself. Right? Okay.
Can I, I'm just going to read a few excerpts from several verses to get us through verse 36. Or chapter 36, okay? Let me read this to you. So now they're building the tabernacle. They're building this. they got the resources. They start assembling this tabernacle, right? And this is what it said in 36, 8. It says, and all those who were skilled among the workers made the tabernacle. I can stop there because that's what I want to emphasize. You say, well, Trent, what about all the detail of the tabernacle? What about all those things? We'll get to that in the furnishing in the, in the, in the following chapters. But the reason that all of these utensils are being used and the fabrics being used the way they're being used is simply because God said to use them like that. And there's times in our lives when we don't have to understand why God, God said it, we're going to do it. Right? Kingdom building sometimes says, what God says, God says. Let's just do it like that. But the scripture says this, and all those who were skilled among the workers made the tabernacle with ten curtains of finely twisted linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with cherubim woven into them by expert hands. In Exodus 36, 14, they made curtains of in Exodus 36, 20, they made upright frames of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Verse 31, they also made crossbars of acacia wood. We, you can read that verse. Exodus 36, 35, they made the certain, uh, the, or the curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. They made. You know what this says to Trent? Because in this portion of the scripture, the identity of the they or the he isn't identified. You know what it says to me? And it says, Trent, get this. Kingdom builders don't care who gets the credit. Listen, when we're kingdom building, we're not concerning ourselves who's getting the pat on the back. Who sings the best? Who teaches the best? Who preaches the best? Who drives the van the best? Who loves the kids the Who cares? With the ability you've been given, with a willingness in your heart, then give to the kingdom. Serve in the kingdom. Be present in the kingdom. And let God deal with the rewards of the kingdom. Do you know why kingdom builders don't care who gets the credit? Do you know why? Do you, do you really want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because they know that they do not labor in vain. They know God sees it all. They know what God has called them to, what God has equipped them to do. The energy he's given them to do it. And if no one else sees what I'm doing, you know who does see? Ronnie, the only one that matters. The king, which we're building the kingdom for, the king. First Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 7, closing right here. I know you're thinking, you just said you're closing three times. Closing, it's, okay, we're closing. <laughs> Miss Ann, I heard that. <laughs> listen, listen to what first, this is the Apostle Paul talking. This is what he says. This is, this is part of who cares about the credit. He says, whatever I was, Apollos, 
You're, you know where I'm going, don't you? And what is Paul? This is Paul talking. Who am I? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Assignment, right? The gifting, the assignment, the willingness. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. Okay, we're leaving this morning. You just answer these. God's way. Check. Leaving it up to God to choose who. Check. Capable and willing. Capable has been determined by the call. You know you're capable. He wouldn't have called you. Please put it in you. Check. Are we supporting other kingdom builders? Check. Can we take directions? Corrections? Check. Are we staying within the framework of what God has determined? Check. Do we really care who gets the credit? Kingdom builders would say, no, I don't care. Check. Can you check those? Can you check those this morning? Come on. Be honest. Can you check them? I'm still working on checking some. I'm still working on checking some. There's times when I feel like I can check it. And there's other times when I feel like I can't. But I want to be able to say at all times and all things, I could check them all in him, right? So let's stand this morning and we will pray. With our heads bowed, just for a moment, just for a moment. Listen, I'm asking everyone, enter into that prayer closet. And I'm telling you, it's easily entered into. All you have to do is close your eyes and man, you're in that closet. It's just you and God. No one else is in there. Don't be looking to your left or your right, front or back. Don't do that. Give everyone that same opportunity to enter into their own prayer closet. Into that dark place with God where no one can see him but him. Right? Enter into that place this morning. My desire is for you and for me to be able to check all those things. But if you're like Trent and you're still working on checking some of that stuff, I want to be praying for you. Man, I ain't calling you out. I'm not, I'm not going to bait and switch you and have you come up front. I'm not doing any of that stuff. What I want you to do is, is you're in that prayer closet and, and no one's looking to their left, right, front, or back. If you're wrestling with checking some of those things, would you just raise your hand this morning? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. We have some honest people. Man. All right. All right, Lord, thank you. Okay. Father, in Jesus' name, you've seen every hand that was raised who acknowledged, I need to work on some of this. I need to come under your spirit and your guidance. I, I need to be loved on. I need to be encouraged. I need to be strengthened. I need to be this type of person. I want to be a kingdom builder. 
for every hand that was raised, oh God, I pray that you would give them the dunamis and the energio to live this out. Oh God, may we all concede and confess when our pride, Lord, resists being corrected. When our pride resists uh, relinquishing notoriety or, 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 or acclaim. When our pride says, I can do it better. When our pride refuses to allow us to give encouragement and love, we withhold forgiveness. Lord, when our pride sees what you have said and we resist it, forgive us. So, Father, hear the cries of your sons, your daughters, as we cry out to you in the name of Jesus this morning. And we ask you, O oh God, to give us the fullness of your, your, your spirit, the generosity and the goodness of your strength, the provision that you bestow upon us, all these things that we might be kingdom builders. That we be kingdom builders. Kingdom builders. May we be that very thing this morning. And may we not do it, Lord, to prop ourselves up or to edify ourselves, but may we do it, Lord, to shine light on the person of Jesus. 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 That's, that's it. At the end of it, Lord, we have gathered here to worship him. Your son, our, our, our king. Give him glory. And in so doing, give you glory. Father, we bless you this morning. We love you this morning. And Father, even at this moment, for every father that's in this room, every dad, Lord, I ask that you'd bless them and encourage them. May they see their worth. Their worth, unmatched. Their purpose, unmatched. Significant, regardless of what the culture says. You have ordained it as such. You have called us men to a place of accountability and responsibility. May we occupy that place and that spot. So we bless your name, Father. We bless your word. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And your sons and your daughters said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.